You're listening to The Zen Courses Show, episode 39. So I am calling this the authenticity episode. Want to know why? Well, you're just going to have to keep listening. Welcome to The Zen Courses Show, the show for online course creators who care about building actionable, meaningful, and profitable online courses. If you're a solo entrepreneur, tech geek, or creative, The Zen Courses Show is the place to get expert advice for creating your online course, overcoming overwhelm, and growing a balanced business. To get the full experience, sign up at zencourses.co, where you'll get access to free lessons, resources, and more. Again, that's zencourses.co. So the more I started talking to people about what my vision was, the more I started getting that positive response that, yes, this could be actually something that could work really well. And then I should also mention in the meantime, someone else launched an online training program. (laughs) So while I was building mine, uh, someone else launched one. And there's actually been a few of them that have launched since. Uh, so, So that was actually... Hey everyone, so you just heard a sneak peek of the upcoming interview with Shauna Lynn Simon. Shauna has an amazing story. I can't wait for you to check it out. But before we do so, I just wanted to remind you to hang out until the end of the episode because I'm going to answer the question of the week. And I gotta tell you, it's a good one. All right, I'll see you on the flip side. What's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning into the Zen Courses show today. My guest today is Shauna Lynn Simon. Shauna Lynn is an award-winning home staging expert. In 2015, she founded Styled, Listed, and Sold Academy, where she provides comprehensive training for tomorrow's home stagers. Shauna Lynn, welcome to the Zen Courses show. Thank you so much, Janelle, for having me. Well, I can't wait to share your story. So I found (laughs) out about you uh, through Thinkific's blog. And I just kind of, the first thing that caught my eye was I'm familiar with home staging as a relatively new homeowner, but I'd never heard of anyone who had a home staging course or school. So can you start by telling us a little bit more about yourself and the work you do for people who don't really know what home staging is? Sure, absolutely. So yeah, so as you mentioned, I do home stage and I also do design services. Uh, but home staging specifically focuses on trying to merchandise a house for sale. So essentially, it's more of a real estate type service. Uh, whereas design services, you're setting up a home in order to enjoy it. So you want it attractive, functional for your everyday uses. So home staging takes a different perspective on it. And the term actually comes from the theater. In, in other words, setting up a <laughs> stage, so to speak, for someone. Yeah. So, uh, so I got into home staging uh, back in 2008. And like you said, now I actually uh, coach, I I offer mentoring services to my home stagers. And I also offer a certification training program so they can learn all the techniques of home staging. Because it it is common for a designer, for example, to want to add home staging to their services, but it is a very different type of technique. So uh, there's, there's a definite need there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So where are you talking to us from? I hear a little bit of an accent, and I, I know, but I just want to make sure everyone else knows. 
So I am coming to you live from Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. So it's a fairly large city, actually, just about an hour or so outside of Toronto, Ontario. And uh, so that's the Canadian accent that you're hearing there. (laughs) Uh, But uh, we're actually a very large, um, we're a decent sized metropolis. Uh, We actually cater to the technology sector. So um, ironically that I would do online courses coming from this type of city. But uh, we're kind of, we're called the Silicon Valley of Canada. Oh, okay. Did not know yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Well, just, I just, I love when I learn things. Very cool. <laughs> Very <laughs> Most cool. people have never even heard of our city. And then when I tell them that we're actually, you know, a fairly largely known city, it's often surprising to people. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it is time for the rapid five. I've got five quick questions to help listeners get to know you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Number one, this is going to be an easy one. Okay. Cat, cats or dogs? Cats. <laughs> I'm actually a crazy yeah. cat lady, so that's yeah. an easy one. I read yeah. that. Okay. Number two, what is your favorite song? My favorite song, uh, that would be Pearl Jam. Um, oh, there's a couple of them, but uh, probably Breathe is one of my favorite ones from yeah, them. That is a good mm-hmm. one. Okay. Yeah. Number three, name your go to comfort food. Oh, pasta. Specifically, <laughs> cheese stuffed ravioli drenched in marinara sauce. Yeah, that's my comfort food. Unfortunately, uh, the waistline does not like it very much, but uh, yeah. I still love it. Yeah. I feel you. I definitely feel you. <laughs> All right. Number four, if you could have one superpower, but no one knew about it, what would it be? Oh. <sighs> I want to say invisibility, but I actually love people's privacy too much. So I think that I would never actually use it to its full potential. Um, Oh, one superpower. This is a good one. Um, Can I be uh, like a a genie where I can grant wishes? You could be be whatever you want to be. That would be a pretty cool superpower. Because there's there's often things that I want to be able to do for people, but I just don't have the means. So if I could just grant a wish to everyone, that would be fantastic. I love that. I love that. Okay, last one. What is the hardest lesson you have ever learned as an entrepreneur? Oh, that's pretty easy. Um, Failure is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think that, I mean, I can expand on that a little bit, but basically um, I learned to embrace my failures and I don't like even calling them failures, but mistakes that are made are lessons learned and I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for that. So I think that being able to embrace that and being able to learn from it and that means being able to to receive constructive critique about things and see where you've got some holes maybe that you need to fill. Uh, it's probably one of the most powerful tools as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I love that. I think everyone needs to to hear that. Excellent. So thank you for going through the rapid five. Those are great <laughs> answers. All right. I want to share a quote that I read uh, that you have on your blog and oh. get a little bit of the backstory. So it says, in high school, I was ridiculed for doing anything that was different. As an adult, I'm praised for my bravery. Don't be afraid to be yourself. Discover your inner strength and thrive in the comfort of being you. There's no one else out there that can do that. So tell me about, you know, your story, how you went from, you know, that high school kid who was being ridiculed to coming to where you are now, where you're just completely courageous and and doing all of this great (laughs) entrepreneurial stuff. How did that, um, how did that impact you? Well, that was a heck of a journey, let me tell you. Uh, for starters, I would like to say that I did have some fantastic friends in high school and a fantastic family base. And I wasn't, I don't want anyone to misunderstand that statement that I wasn't a victim of bullying per se, uh, yeah. 
But that said, I always knew that I just saw things differently. I thought differently. I dressed differently. I just did things differently. And that wasn't always widely accepted. Yeah. So there were often times where even my friends, not meaning to, they would say, you know, why would you be wearing that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out looking like that, you know, and just those little off the cuff kind of comments. So it wasn't some aggressive bully. And I just want to make that very clear, uh, but it didn't make it any easier. So I actually spent a number of my high school years trying to fit in mm-hmm. and it was probably the most miserable thing I ever did. So um, I finally embraced, I think it was university that really helped me to uh, discover who I really was and be proud of it. I saw so much diversity in the university that I that I attended and uh, I, I moved to a different city that also really embraced diversity and uh, I think that's where I started just taking a look at everyone else's stories and what they've come from and realizing that it was okay to be myself and the more I was myself the more people seemed to like it uh for lack of a better way of putting it, you know, it was sort yeah. of, it was, it was interesting that, um, you know, I, I spent so many years trying to be someone else. And as soon as I started actually embracing who I was and just ignoring, don't get me wrong, the ridicule was still there, but I started ignoring it and focusing on the people who were saying the positive things about what I was mm. doing. And that really encouraged me to keep moving in that direction. And I found a voice, I found who I was, and that made me actually very successful in the first few years of my career as well. Before I became an entrepreneur, when I was working in these corporate jobs, I wasn't the person to just sit in the back and nod my head and smile and do whatever I was told. I was someone who pushed barriers. And that really, really uh, boded very well for me. And so the more I started doing that, the more, again, I started enjoying it. And uh, if anyone has seen my profile picture, I'm known for pushing the limits a little bit in terms of my style and my design. And it's something that I've always enjoyed doing. And I think that now as an adult, it's something that I, I... I continue with and I embrace it and I tell other people, you know, listen, like you got to be yourself. There's, there's really no other way to, around it. And so I'm often stopped by people saying, oh, I wish I could do that with my hair. I wish I could pull off an outfit like that. You know, you're so brave for trying that. And I try to explain to them it has nothing to do with bravery. Mm-hmm. It just has to do with accepting who you are. I'm incredibly comfortable who I am. Uh, and I, I do I do not like when people don't like me, but at the same time, I'm not a people pleaser. You know, I'm someone who tries to be a good person overall and accept everyone and hope that they'll do the same for me. And in my experience, if you have, if you're approaching life with that kind of attitude, you tend to get that in return. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's so funny to, uh, to, when I read that quote, I've been listening to, and I shared this on uh, the recent podcast episode before. So I've been listening to a Bruce Lee podcast and he has a great quote where he talks about honestly expressing yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much about communication, but it's about being you and not so much looking to others for how to be. Well, I think looking as, within. yeah. And I think as an entrepreneur, uh, that's where your success is going to come from. If you yeah. try to create this image of someone that you're not, it's going to lack that uh, authentic uh, authenticness to it. It's going to lack that genuineness that people are looking for when they're turning to someone, you know, depending on what role you're in, of course, but especially as, as an educator, someone wants to know they can trust you. They're putting a lot of faith in you to give them the skills that they need. So they want to see who you actually are. And that's got to be a part of your brand at all times. So I think that when you're trying to be someone that you're not, it's not going to fit the right vision. I mean, I recently encountered a gentleman uh, through LinkedIn, who wrote a lovely article that I was quite impressed with. But in the follow-up to it, there were a lot of comments back and forth. And he was, quite frankly, not a very nice person. Mm. Now, the one thing I will give him credit for is he embraced it. 
And he basically told all of us, if you don't like it, go somewhere else. You're not my client. And I'm not saying that it's you know a good idea to be a mean person. Right. <laughs> but what I am saying is that in his case, he took the clients that didn't care whether or not he tiptoed around certain politically correct statements. He just said it how it was. And yeah. there was something to be respected for that, I suppose. Now, he's definitely not someone I would ever deal with because we don't we don't match. Our brands would not match. It doesn't jive with any of my clients necessarily, but my clients choose me and my students choose me because of who I am. Yep. That's right. it. You just nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, you know, it just before we move on, you know, there are a lot of people who struggle with how do I build my audience? How do I find my people? And they think that the answer is to do all of these things that they see everyone else doing. And really, it's just about putting yourself out there and being very authentic in who you are. Exactly. And you're going to attract the people who want to learn from you. Absolutely. So, I love that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, We talked about in the intro, we talked about how you founded SLS Academy in 2015. What were you doing before 2015? Because you mentioned your background in mathematics on your site. So, so, you know, I had to, I had to ask this question. Like I keep seeing mathematics and technical stuff. And then here, and and I think, what exactly did you do that led from mathematics to a career in home staging and online courses? Uh, Well, the short version of the story is I bought a house and uh, (laughs) that kind of fueled everything. But the longer version is basically that when I was in high school, uh, it wasn't something that was promoted to go into what's considered more of an artsy type of field. That was something you did as a hobby, not necessarily as a career. So because I excelled in math and sciences and specifically in computers as well, I was encouraged at that time to pursue that avenue, especially because computers were really starting to take off. I'm aging myself a little bit, but computers were really starting to take off and females, especially in the computer science field, were something that was being predicted was going to be a huge, huge inroads for us. So I thought, well, okay, I want to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So this seems like a really good direction to go in. And I decided in my first year of university that computers just weren't me. They weren't, I wasn't interested in sitting behind a, a computer screen for the rest of my life. So yeah. I did transfer into regular math and I thought that would be a little bit more applicable to a variety of jobs when I finished. So I worked in the corporate world as an analyst, first for an energy company and then for a promotional products company. So when I was working with a promotional products company, uh, I had had the opportunity to work on some of their custom product designs, uh, more from a costing aspect, but it allowed me to get a little bit more creative with some things. So that kind of got my creative juices flowing. And uh, so when I purchased my house, I was unfortunately laid off from that lovely job. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, and this was within a few months of purchasing my house. But in those first few months, I spent a great deal of time looking for things for my house that existed only in my head. So, (laughs) yeah, it was a little challenging. So I got back to my arts and crafts and started making the things that I need. And I became, you know, kind of the DIY queen. And, oh, it just lit something in me. It just felt so, so natural and so right. So I started thinking, you know, if I were to do something for my next career where I got the opportunity to be able to apply my creative side a little bit more, what could I possibly do? And I was actually speaking with my real estate agent the one day, and she was the one who said, 
have you ever considered home staging as a career? And I really didn't know much about the, the industry at all at that time. So I started doing my research in it. And within a couple of weeks, I basically said, that's it. I'm becoming a home stager. This is exactly what I was meant to do. <laughs> I uh, love it. And I, I spent about six months shopping for my house and my real estate agent actually, uh, she, you know, she was telling me how I drove her nuts basically for the entire six months <laughs> because, and I didn't realize what I was doing, of course, but we would walk into these homes and I would immediately start giving some suggestions for what I would do there. So, you know, I'd move this wall, I'd take this out, I'd lift up the carpet, I'd rearrange the furniture, they're using these rooms all wrong, and I'd make all these different recommendations. And, uh, you know, so she would say, well, do you want to put an offer in the house? And I said, oh, no, you know, that's just what I would do if I, if I bought the house. I don't want this house, though. Uh, <laughs> and I, we did that for about six months. So poor woman, she was very, very nice and very patient with me. Uh, but I didn't realize when I was doing that 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 was something that not everyone had the ability to do. And that's really yeah. how the home staging industry was, was born initially. And this is going back 40 years. It's not a new industry. It's been around for about 40 years. But in my region, it wasn't something that was well known. So I was one of the first home stagers in my area. And I launched my company back in 2008. And I'd love to say the rest is history. It wasn't that simple. But the point is that... Uh, a few years into the business, I realized that there was a real lack of proper, I don't want to say proper training, because um, there are some really, really reputable training facilities out there. Uh, but there was nothing, no one was doing it online. And that was where I saw an opportunity to provide a different type of training. So I am still an active home stager. So I do want to state that. Yeah. And it's actually sort of how I've built this uh, educational side of my business, because I am out there in the trenches every day working with the home staging clients. I'm listening to what their needs are. And I've created a program that is easily adjustable as those needs change as well. All right. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So one thing that you mentioned in that story, I mean, there are so many great nuggets there. <laughs> one of the things that, that I caught on was how did you come to create an online school? I mean, you have an in, you're in an industry where, like you said, there, no one was doing this online. Right. So how did you know it would, it would work? What, what gave you the, the gusto? <laughs> <laughs> well, to say I'm going to put this online. If I'm being honest, I didn't. So the way that I created the program was I started first with, I'm going to create the curriculum. I'll deal with the platform after, afterwards, but I need to create the curriculum because, I, again, I found that there were a lot of holes in some of the current edu educators in terms of what they were offering. And it wasn't that they weren't offering great training. But there were certain aspects that were being overlooked, such as the people factor, the steps of service, some of the day-to-day -day operations of the business. So I spent mm -hmm. a, real, a, a great deal of time focusing on that. And I started training new stagers to come and work in my home staging business. And that was a great way of me testing out my material and kind of perfecting it. And all the while, like I said, I knew that I wanted to create it online, but I didn't know for sure that it would work. So I started researching a little bit and asking others, you know, would you take a course like this online? And to be honest, I had mixed reviews about it. The way that the current structure was working for most training programs was that you would attend an in-class workshop seminar style training where it's basically two or three intense days of learning everything you need to know about becoming a home stager. Yeah. And there's a lot of information to cover. So I sort of felt that two to three days, there's no way that that's enough time to not necessarily cover the material, but absorb it. And I just know how I learn and to be thrown that much information at once, I knew there was no way that I could properly learn it. And then of course, what happens when you're done your training, as things change, trends change, rules change, whatever, then how do you get an update? 
so that was where I started looking at things. So as I presented these types of ideas and, you know, talking to people and saying, okay, well, if you were doing an online training, here are some of the advantages of it. You would have access to any updated material instantly. Uh, you know, so they liked that aspect of it. And I said, you know, you get more time to absorb everything. Uh, so they liked that aspect of it. I said, you know, I could still offer the one-on-one experience that you get from an in-class, but in an online platform. So that was the biggest thing that people felt they got from the in-class. They had the opportunity to ask questions. They had the opportunity yeah. to connect with someone. They had an opportunity to kind of see things firsthand a little bit. So they wanted to get that experience still through the online training. I said, well, that's great. I can create YouTube tutorials, for example, like video tutorials of how to make a bed and how to greet your clients and film a consultation and show you all these firsthand. And it's actually more than you could get in class because there's no way you can actually cover all of that in class. So the more I started talking to people about what my vision was, the more I started getting that positive response that, yes, this could be actually something that could work really well. And then I should also mention in the meantime, someone else launched an online training program. So while I was building mine, uh, someone else launched one. And there's actually been a few of them that have launched since. Uh, So so that was actually something that I found very encouraging to see that other people were doing it. I obviously wasn't the only one to have this idea. Now, of course, I wish I hit the marketplace first, uh, but I'm glad that I didn't because I actually created, I think, a better curriculum because of it. Got you. So I love that story because there's a few things that uh, that we always hear not to do that you bucked. And and that was if you get people who are kind of you start having those interviews, those informal interviews, and you get no's, you know, most people would say, okay, that's a bad idea. Abandon it. Jump ship. But I love that you educated your audience, which is also something that we're often told if you have to work really hard to educate your audience to get them to see, sometimes that might mean it's not a good idea. Sure. But I love that you pushed through and that once they saw your vision, they completely got it. Well, yeah. And I mean, a lot of the people that I was talking to initially as well are people that have already taken the certification training. So they also had easy access to it. There was training in their local area. And I said, but what if there wasn't training in your local area? What would you you do in that case? You know, so the online Mm -hmm. training provides that opportunity. So, you know, like I said, they definitely saw a little bit more uh, from my perspective as to, you know, the benefits of it versus maybe some of the cons to it. And don't get me wrong, there's still those hurdles that I've been working very hard to overcome. And like I said, one of the biggest one being that one-on-one contact that people want to have. I actually just today had uh, one of my members, one of my students who's graduated from the program and she's done very well. uh, She actually spoke to another woman who was concerned about exactly that. One of the girls wants it. There's a, she's contacted me. She's said she wants to take my program, but she's concerned that she's not going to get what she needs from an online training. So I said, well, instead of me telling you how great it is, why don't I put you in contact with someone who's taken the program? And one of the biggest focuses that, you know, this girl who spoke to her, this, uh, you know, graduate of mine who spoke to her said that one of the big things that she focused on was how much support there is. She says, I think I probably get even more support from you doing it this way than I would if I had taken the in-class program. So just as a bit of an example, I do mm-hmm. for my students and my members, I do online office hours every Thursday uh, from one o'clock to three o'clock. And we're working on adding some more hours to this, but basically for two hours every Thursday, they can hop into our Facebook group, our private Facebook group and ask me anything. And sometimes I'll get on and do a live video to answer their questions. Other times it's just typing some answers, but they literally have a conversation back and forth with me. 
So it's easy access. And that's just the one thing that I do. I mean, there's also, you know, we have strategy calls. We also have in-course discussions. There's so many different ways that they can get in touch with me. But every Thursday, they know that they can literally pick my brain for two hours and who knows where the conversations will go. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I love it. Sets up that structure and that engagement and that support that people need. And I think often we underestimate how much people need that when we create courses. Absolutely. Because you do sort of look at it as, and I think there's a lot of marketers out there that promote online courses as a passive income. And it is, don't get me wrong, but you have to respect your members still and you have to have some time for them. And one of the lessons that I learned fairly early on was I am only one person, so I can only be so many places at once. So I literally can't be doing phone calls every single day with every single person who's taking one of my courses. So how do I make sure that they feel supported still uh, while maintaining my time schedule in a certain way? So I've structured it in a way that makes sure that they are, are taken care of as well as myself. So I do get you know the odd email and phone call still outside of those office hours, of course, but because we have that available as an option, most people don't try to get in touch with me outside of the office hours unless it's a little bit more of an urgent case where they've just had a client call them, they're stumped on something. Hey, can you help me yeah. out? You know, and and I offer a certain amount of free assistance. And if someone really wants that one-on-one on a regular basis, let's get your business to the next level, then I can offer some one-on-one coaching services. But my courses honestly feel like they've got me one-on-one already. Uh, so I don't think that most people that have taken my courses don't are they're not the ones who hire me for my coaching services. Okay, so that's a great segue. I have to ask this question because I know I know my audience would be so upset if I don't <laughs> ask it. You you are an active home stager. Yes. You have your school and and people should know how many courses do you have in your school? Oh. Several. <laughs> yes. There there are several. We'll share the links in the show notes. So you have your you have your school with filled with several courses. Uh, how do you manage all of this, Shauna Lynn? Like, do you have any, you know, three, two or three tips for people who are struggling? Because I get emails all the time for people who feel like I, they have too much on their plate. They don't know how to make time to achieve these things. Yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'd love to say that I've perfected it. I don't think any of us have. Uh, but yeah. There are definitely some things that I have found work and part of it is structuring things. When I'm working on creating a course and trying to outline the module notes and the training tutorials, the slideshow, all of that stuff, I need some dedicated time. If I try to spend 15 minutes here or there, I'm never going to get anywhere with it. So I schedule the time the same way that I schedule appointments and I am Mm -hmm. unavailable and I turn off my phone. I turn off the distractions. I turn off the Facebook because let me tell you, I can get lost in Facebook for hours. (laughs) I think we all can. It's so easy. Like, oh, this this video is only two minutes. I'm just going (laughs) to click on that. You know, so I try to structure it that way. Uh, But things are always going to pop up that's going to take you off schedule. So the important thing is to just try to get yourself back. I do try to create a little bit of an outline initially of all my modules and what I'm going to cover. And then I create a little bit of a timeline of when I want to complete each one as well. And I try to stick to that schedule as much as I can. I will admit okay. uh, that I am single. I have no family or t- children, husband, or anything that I have to worry about. So I have the ability to dedicate, sadly, my weekends to some good, solid course creating time. Uh, I don't plan on doing that indefinitely, but definitely in the last year and a half, I've spent a fair number of weekends doing that. But I still make sure that I am taking time for myself. I am being social. I'm getting out of the house because you can get a little bit stir crazy. And uh, sometimes you got to get the creative juices flowing. And then the other tip that I would give, though, is if it's not coming to you that day, skip it. 
Yeah. If you're stuck on a module, skip to the next one even. You know, maybe, maybe it's just that particular topic that you're just struggling with. Skip to the next one and come back to it if you can. You don't necessarily have to go in order. And if it's really not coming to you that day, do something else that day. So maybe you've got some things on your to-do list for the next day. Take those next day to-dos and get them done and clear up your schedule for the next day to work on it. Because if it's not coming to you, sitting there staring at a blank screen is not going to get you any further ahead. I love it. I don't have anything to add. You nailed it. All right. So we are now going to, I want to talk about webinars yes. because like I said, I found you through the Thinkific article where you share how webinars worked for mm-hmm. you. And I'll be sure to share that article in, in the show notes as well. But, but first of all, you've had success with webinars. Has it always been that way? Or, and, and if not, how did you, where did you stumble when you first started working with webinars? Okay. So I haven't I wasn't actively doing webinars until a few months ago. So I will say that since I started them, I've had a lot of success, but I had a lot of paralyzing fears before doing it. And I had a somewhat disappointing uh, webinar experience that sort of had held me back from it. So I've learned from that. So what I would say is about my previous experience of doing a webinar was I wanted to do it for the cheapest way possible. And that was my first Mm -hmm. mistake. So I decided to do it as I found this link that talked you through how to do a Google Hangout as a webinar. (laughs) I don't know if you've explored this option. Uh, It is not ideal. You don't get people registered in advance. Um, Well, you, you do, you can sort of by sending them a link, but it wasn't a great it just wasn't a great method of doing it. And sadly, I had very few people show up. So I kind of faked my way through the webinar and pretended that people who wanted to attend couldn't and asked me all these questions in advance. So I read out the questions and answered them so that I had a bit of a Q&A because nobody else was asking any questions. So it was a little traumatizing, to say the least. Yeah. So one of the first things I realized from that was if I'm going to do this, I do need a proper webinar software to do it. Let them, like some, there are companies out there this is what they do. This is literally all that they do. So let them yeah. do what they do well and let me do what I do well. So I, I did team up with, uh, I use Zoom for my webinars and they're very great. They're a wonderful low cost option. So if you're just looking to get into webinars and you don't want to spend a fortune on it, uh, they're definitely a great low cost option. They offer the features that you need without all the bells and whistles, basically, is kind of how I like to put it. So as far as the actual running the webinars, fantastic. Everything you need, super easy to use from a behind the scenes perspective. There aren't a ton of those extra little features, like they're not linked with an email marketing necessarily. But you know what? For what they do, they do it very, very well. And the price, you mm-hmm. can't beat the price on that on them. And their reliability, all my recordings always turn out really, really top definition. So that that's important as well. Yeah. yeah. Zoom is great. Just a, another plug for Zoom. Um, I've used Crowdcast and I've, so every, first of all, everyone, anyone who has ever searched for a webinar platform knows how like slippery of a slope <laughs> that is. There's like so many of them hole. and it, it just feels like that you can never find the perfect one. And in my opinion, just because I know my audience loves to know about tools. Zoom and Crowdcast are probably the two best ones out there. Yeah. And like, like you said, it's not, nothing's going to have everything that you want, but there are plenty of ways to work around those obstacles. So for example, Zoom doesn't have the email marketing. That's fine. I can still get my email list off of Zoom and I plug it into my email marketing program and boom, I have email marketing, you know, so there, yeah. there's ways around it and it will send reminder notices to people in advance. Uh, you can't really attach things to it. So my solution to that is I use Dropbox. So if you use Dropbox or OneDrive or whatever you use for sharing your files, you just copy a link to that and people can download it. So 
Now you just added an attachment. Like there's ways around any of the small little limitations that make it worthwhile. And if all of that bothers you where you say, I don't want to deal with it at all, then pay the money. Pay the money and go with something that's yeah. more expensive. You know, there's some great programs out there. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked Zoom. And uh, so I, I teamed up with them a few months ago. And that's when I started really doing the webinars. And now I've had so much success with them. And I think the other part of, I didn't know how to market my webinars before either. So I mean, there's definitely some lessons that I learned from my first terrible webinar. Uh, but what I will okay. say is that I was so nervous to do a webinar again after that experience. And it was so phenomenal. And yeah, I made some mistakes and there were some hiccups to it, but nobody cared because at the end of the day, <laughs> I delivered them content they wanted. So yeah. I think that would be probably my biggest tip when it comes to the webinars is your content. Don't talk about what you want to talk about. Talk about what they want to hear uh, because that's going to determine whether or not you have an audience for it. Right. Absolutely. So now that you've been doing webinars for a few months, why do you think that they are a great marketing tool? So this actually kind of goes back to uh, the authenticity that we were talking about, I think, mm -hmm. because it gives people an opportunity to see how your teaching style is firsthand uh, for free, potentially. And you don't have to do free webinars. I happen to, my examples have always been free because I'm trying to lead them to bigger and better courses. But you can also do paid webinars uh, that are going to offer a ton of value. But what I like about the free aspect of it is it gives them an opportunity without any sort of obligation to show up and see how my teaching style is. And it's a bit of a win-win. Yeah. They're going to get some awesome tips. They're going to get to know me a little bit. I'm going to get their email address and now I can keep in touch with them. So it's even if they don't buy anything from me that day, I've now got the opportunity to build more of a relationship with them, invite them to other webinars and events. And you're always going to have those people that are only ever going to take the free stuff from you. And I'm guilty of it. There are some people that I follow that I think all the information <laughs> they give is absolutely gold. And yet I've never bought a product from them. Yeah. And I truly believe the products they offer are valuable and they're fantastic and they would probably change my life. But I haven't bought them for whatever reason. But there are others where I have, you know. So I think that building that relationship, even if that person doesn't purchase from you, the chance of them sharing your information with someone else who will are that much greater. Well, and the sales psychology beyond that is, is that there are so many touch points that you need to have with people before they buy from you. And the more you have, the, the more the likelihood that they will buy from you at some point in the future versus just not having any interactions with people at all. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they say six to eight touches per person. But I mean, when you think about all the noise that's out there when it comes to, we are like just absolutely inundated with so much different advertising throughout the day from every platform that we're in, from our websites to our television, to our streaming video, whatever it might be, we are getting inundated with ads. So if you can build a bit more of a relationship with someone, it just tends to, as you said, it's more of a sales technique. It does tend to sell things that, that much better from, and from a place of trust as well, right? You've built yeah. that trust with them that they're that much more likely to purchase from you. Absolutely. Yep, definitely. And okay. now you have, and if you have them on the webinar, now you can invite them to your Facebook group. And if they have them in their Facebook group, you can ask them to join your mailing list. And if they're on your mailing list, you see where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you can You're just building that trust, though. Yeah, exactly. You can invite them to connect with you on all these different platforms, and they're going to get different things from each of them. You know, so it's it's a, a real bonus for them as well. Okay. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's dig deeper into your webinar strategy. How do you structure your webinars? What are the, the big chunks of, of your time? Uh, I would love to say that I have so I spend so much time creating structure. I think that um, 
the biggest thing is I first outline what is it that I want to have as takeaways from this. Uh, so I create the content around that. What So it's not about just doing an outline. It's what's the takeaway at the end of the day? What are they going to be able to do after this? Because everyone wants to be able to accomplish something. I don't just want information. I want to know what I can achieve from it. So I always start with my takeaways. And then I kind of work backwards from that and I create my outline for it. And sometimes my webinars are more techie than others. So some have these beautiful PowerPoint presentations. Others will have a lovely screen share and others are more of a talking head type video. So it just depends on what type of connection you want to have with them. Yeah. So I always like to include a worksheet. That's a big deal for me. I love webinars that have worksheets. When I'm on a webinar, I love it when they send me a little follow along type guide, even if it's as simple as they fill in the blanks a couple of times. It just keeps them engaged. It it tells Mm -hmm. them they're going to learn something. Uh, And then I always make sure that I'm following up with something. So I start with basically the whole experience of the webinar. So what is their experience going to be like? Well, they're going to register and they're immediately going to hear from me and get a worksheet that they can download. So now they're excited about that webinar. It's going to make them that much more likely to attend. I tell them that if they attend live, they will have access to some special bonuses. And this is key because the reason that I do that is because I didn't have anyone show up to my first webinar for the most part. So, you got to put the carrot. You got to tease them a little right? bit. So that's, I think that's everyone's biggest fear of doing a, a live webinar is what if no one shows up? So if you give them an incentive to show up live, they're that much more likely to. So so that's also building a connection. I've now enticed them and said, you're going to get some really cool stuff for attending, and especially if you attend live. And then, of course, I create what the content is actually going to be for them. And I create my follow-ups for them as well. So what are they going to get as their follow-ups? So I'm going to give them some juicy little tidbits, maybe summarized from the webinar, as well as some awesome bonuses, whether for free or a discount on something else that I'm selling. And that'll allow me the opportunity to keep in touch with them as well. So it's, it's definitely, it's a full marketing plan. It's not just about the webinar itself. It's yep. about the communication both before and after the webinar completed as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, pitching, pitching is, you know, we, we have come to expect to be pitched on webinars. And for people who are starting out with webinars, and, and I think it's worth saying that you don't have to pitch on every webinar. No. Uh, but for people who are getting started, and they're just having so much trepidation about pitching, it's challenging for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Did you struggle with that? And, and if so, how did you overcome it? What, what got you out of the, the rut? I don't know if I struggled with it per se as much as, you know, as soon as I got to, when I did the first webinar, as soon as I got to the part where I'm going to tell them about my bonuses, uh, and as you said, this is basically essentially pitching them, I I wanted to talk as fast as I possibly could and <laughs> run through them because I was so afraid of losing someone to my sales pitch. Like I, I'm watching the, the participants the entire time and just seeing if yeah. anyone's logging off as I'm talking about it. Um, so the only way that I got over it was I just did it. But what was interesting was I learned that people had a lot of questions. So the way that I now pitch is I give a couple of little juicy tidbits about something, but I don't try to oversell it. And this is my technique. This may not work for everyone, but I try not to oversell it. And then I allow for the questions to come, give them enough of an enticement to say like, for example, one of the products I'm saying, this is going to change how you do business. It would absolutely revolutionized how I do consultations. It saves me time. It's absolutely amazing in everything that it does. It creates a relationship with my clients before I even get there. But I didn't tell them anything about what the product actually was. I said Mm. what the name of it was. And then I talked about all the benefits of it. And so when it got to the the question and answer period, people, people wanted more details. Wow, that's what I want. That's my pain point. So 
tell me more about what this product actually is. So if you focus on just providing some of the benefits to a product as opposed to really overselling it, you can get through those a little bit quicker. And then I also mentioned all the free stuff first. So before I tried to sell them anything, I said, look what I'm going to give you for free. So that yeah. really helped to soften the blow a little bit too. So I actually found um, people were quite receptive knowing that I think people value free stuff almost more than the paid stuff sometimes because the fact that I took the time to create this webinar and present it to them for free, they figure there's got to be value to the stuff that I'm selling as well. Yeah. And they've already opted in what, you know, they signed up for their webinar. Right. That's one opt in. Then they get the free stuff. That's enough. And then so you've already warmed them up to you. At exactly. That point. Exactly. Yeah. So the point is that they do want to learn more from me. And again, they might not actually buy anything. Doesn't mean that they're not interested in it, though. Sometimes yeah. there's a lot of other things that are going on that they just don't have the opportunity to. But you still made a connection nonetheless. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And they may buy from you in the future. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So thank you for sharing those those strategies for pitching. I think that's going to be helpful for a lot of people. Now, mm -hmm. one thing that I read that I absolutely loved, you talk about using tools and research as a procrastination <laughs> method, right? <laughs> and a lot of people, I saw that and I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to talk <laughs> about this. A lot of people struggle with that. I get emails all the time from people who ask me about tools what got you out of that habit? And first, I have to commend you for recognizing what it for what it was. <laughs> what got you out of that and said, okay, I'm going to just do the work first? Well, I think um, the need to make money for starters, you know, it was, I, I'd already created the courses. I have these awesome things that I need to sell. But yeah. I need to sell them, you know, and, and I think it was just sort of it, that kind of was a bit of a wake up call that I can keep spending more and more hours creating more and more courses. And these courses are awesome. People are going to love them. But if they don't know that they exist, then what? And I mean, I could tell people you can do the Facebook ads and the Google ads and all the other different types of marketing techniques. But that feels a little bit more like shouting at someone. It doesn't mm. feel as authentic to me. And I do a lot of live presentations. It's something I've been doing for the last couple of years. Uh, I'm on a local daytime uh, talk show uh, in my area where I talk about design tips. I, I host workshops. So I've done a lot of live stuff. And I realize that I'm actually quite comfortable in front of a camera. So I realize that that's not, I'm not speaking to everyone when I'm saying this, you know, because not everyone's yeah. as comfortable. But I'm fairly comfortable with uh, being on camera. So I figured, you know, that's a great opportunity for me to show people what my real personality is. And I know that I have a fairly engaging style. So that's one of the biggest compliments that, I, that I've had. So I kind of took the feedback that I was already getting from people about what I do well and thought, well, that kind of just, you know, pairs itself nicely with doing a webinar. So to be honest, I set a date for the webinar and I stuck to it. So I didn't have... Mm. I did not have my PowerPoint done. I didn't have my worksheet done. I had nothing done. I had a <laughs> landing page and a date as a deadline. And that was the best way for me to overcome it. I committed. As soon as people started yeah. registering, I'm committed. Got to get it done. You know, and it, I'm so that. grateful, so grateful that I did that. Um, because I think that it, it really boosted all of a sudden. There's so many people in my industry now talking about what I do and how great my training techniques are. And some of these people haven't actually taken a course from me. They've only taken my webinars, but now they're joining my Facebook group and we're keeping in touch. And like I said, I'm not necessarily selling to those people, but they're telling everyone else, hey, you got to check this girl out. 
Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Kudos to you. Thank you. All right. Well, before we move on to the final three questions, I would be remiss, even though we talk, we just talked about how tools are not important when you start off. I would be remiss to not ask you what tools you use for your webinars. We talked about Zoom. We talked about some options there. Is there anything other than Zoom that you found yourself relying on to make your webinars work? Uh, well, you need somewhere to host a landing page of some sort. Uh, even though Zoom will host your registration page for you, it's a good idea to be able to have your own sort of landing page that you're directing people to. And I hosted mine right on my own website. Uh, I find that just as easy. I, I, don't, I didn't use a lead pages or anything like that. I just used my website mm-hmm. for it. Uh, as far as other tools, I mean, obviously, you want to make sure you have a proper microphone. I, I can't stress this enough. I've interviewed plenty of people on my webinars as well. And I, I've now become very specific that you need to have a proper microphone and a headset so that I so that people can't hear every single notification going off on your computer and so that yeah. everything you're saying is nice and clear. Um, and then I had an email marketing program. So I use ConvertKit for my email marketing. I use that for all of my follow-ups. Uh, I mentioned Dropbox as well. That What I love about Dropbox is I can save links in there and I can send those links to people for any of the attachments that I want to send. So if I want to give away some free stuff to them, I can make it a limited time offer by putting an expiry yep. date on my link on my Dropbox. So if you don't know how to do it, Google it. I'm telling you, it's awesome. So uh, (laughs) I would say that's, um, I think that covers my main tools for what it doesn't take. Like you said, it does take some tools, but don't get caught up on the technology of it. It doesn't really take that much. Yeah, I love that's a nice minimal list and mm-hmm. and nice plug on Dropbox because that's a fairly new feature. I think it's only been around for a year or so. Yeah. A lot of people don't know about it. So definitely check that out. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So we are down to the final three questions. First okay. one, what is next for you? Anything exciting coming up? Oh, yeah, I'm always working on something. Um, <laughs> I've got some, you know what? I've actually decided to start selling a lot more of my digital products because as I do these webinars and I'm giving people information, I'm telling them things that I've done, they're saying they want those tools. So we just finished talking about tools for your webinar. Well, think about tools that, you, that whatever you're teaching, if there's tools you can provide for that, Uh, I found that a lot of my audience was coming from people who were actually already trained as being a home stager. So they didn't necessarily Hmm. need my full certification course, but they would love to have uh, my workshop course, for example. So I have a workshop where it's more of a digital product than it is a course. I offer them my PowerPoint presentation for hosting a workshop. I give them my emails for both before and after the event, what you're going to send to your attendees. I give them my marketing material that I give out for the event. I tell them how to advertise it, how to choose a venue, how to choose a sponsor. So those are all things that there's no course out there for that already. So that's probably one of the the ones that I'm working on diligently right now. It's ready in a couple of weeks. And uh, I've also got a couple of other small miniature versions of my certification course that are more designed for someone who's already created their certificate or who's already received their certification, but they want some help with specific areas. So one is called the Business of Staging course. So it talks about the day-to-day operations of the business, creating pricing services, contracts, that sort of thing. And then the other one is conquering the consult with confidence. Because in for anyone who doesn't know about home staging, probably don't realize this because you see on HGTV how we take a dramatic transformation where the house is empty and we renovate it and we fill it with furniture. Uh, But the the fact of the matter is that most of our 
business is actually centered around meeting with homeowners who are living in their house for the time that house will be sold and helping them to arrange it in a way that's going to showcase it. So Mm -hmm. I actually offer a miniature course that talks about how to handle all aspects of the consultation because it doesn't matter how much you know about how to stage a house. If you can't communicate it to the client, you're, you're stopped dead in your tracks right there. So so, gotcha. so those are some exciting courses that I'm working on. They'll all be <laughs> out by the like end of the month. Yeah, exactly. They'll basically all be out by the end of the month. So yeah, no big deal. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I am working on some other webinars as well. Um, coming up, I'm looking at teaming up with some other educators for some of my webinars too, which I think will give um, a nice rounded sort of um, perspective for my audience, which I think they're going to really like as well. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking about all these great things that you do. Where can people find out more about you and your work? So there's a few places that you can go. The easiest place to go to find out about me is actually aboutshaunalyn.com because on that website, you have links to all of my other websites. But if you're specifically interested in learning more about a career in home staging, or if you just want to check out my landing page and kind of see what I'm doing. Oh, I'm on Thinkific, by the way. That was another thing that I probably should, I should plug Thinkific for this too. You mentioned that we did the blog with them. (laughs) So my courses are hosted through Thinkific. Uh, So you can see that website at courses.styledlistedsold.com. Com. And they have an amazing platform. And I, I feel the need to mention this because when I first came up with this idea of doing this online program, it wasn't supposed to launch in 2015. It was supposed to launch in 2013. So mm-hmm. at that time, I was exploring hosting it privately, getting a custom designed website, and we were talking $10,000 minimum yeah. to do all of this. So it was going to be a very expensive endeavor, uh, which is probably partly why I put it off the way that I did. Uh, but I'm so thankful that I found Thinkific because they made all of that so much easier for me, so seamless that I could concentrate on just getting the material out and they took care of the technology side of it. Yeah. Love the folks at Thinkific. Mm-hmm. Greg has been on the show. Excellent. Okay. So we'll make sure to get your links in the show notes. Last question. Yes. What's your why? Why do you get up and do this work every day? <laughs> uh, I think the only answer to that question is because I love it. I don't think that uh, if anyone's going to be successful and you're trying to get into maybe a field that is not the most exciting field to you, but you feel like you're going to make a lot of money in that field, uh, that's the wrong reason to do it <laughs> because you're never going to get things done and you're going to be miserable doing it. So I get up every morning because I truly love what I do. I, And not just the home staging aspect. I love teaching people. I love being a part of their journey. I love hearing about their successes and being a part of it. Um, I love being able to provide some answers to people. I remember what it was like to have more questions and answers and I'm happy to be on the other side of that now and so I'm always happy to help people any way that I possibly can I love it (laughs) Shauna Lynn thank you so much for being on the show thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure all right wasn't that an excellent interview I had such a fun time chatting with Shauna Lynn Shauna Lynn thank you so much for being a guest on the show and sharing your remarkable story And I think there were just so many teaching moments in that interview. I hope you agree. Speaking of teaching moments, it is now time for the question of the week. So this week's question comes from one of my favorite readers. Her name is Michelle. And Michelle has a little bit of a long question, so I'm going to read it to you. She says, hi, Janelle. I love the idea of creating online courses. It fits right in with my love of teaching and with my entrepreneurial drive. But 
I keep receiving words of caution about how the market is already flooded with courses that I need to be very careful before pursuing online course building as a viable source of any significant income and that everyone is trying to sell courses. All of this sounds very discouraging to me, but I'm wondering if it'll be a waste of time. What are your thoughts? So Michelle, thank you so much for writing this question. I think it's a question that uh, a lot of people struggle with. A lot of people, course creators, and just anyone who wants to create something, this comes up. The first thing I would say is to ask yourself, who are the people who are telling you not to do this thing? Okay, so the reason I bring that up is because if you're like me, you may not have uh, very many entrepreneurial friends. Uh, Now I have more than I used to, but I remember when I started, you know, getting into online business, my friends had no idea what I was doing. I would explain it and they would just give me these blank looks. You know, uh, there were the haters and the people who just didn't get it. And pretty soon I realized that I just had to ignore them, right? I just had to ignore them. Now, if it's people who are entrepreneurs, have online courses and are successful with those courses and are still telling you not to do a thing, then I would probe a little deeper to find out why. Then they have maybe a little bit of credibility. Now, that being said, I'm still not telling you not to do it. I'm just saying investigate who's telling you what. And if there are people who really aren't successful doing what you're trying to do, then it's just noise. The second point I would offer is to really evaluate why this matters. And I'm not saying that to be, you know, belittling or condescending in any way, but sometimes these these questions come up in our, there's like this inner critic, right? That comes up and says, well, everybody else is doing that. You're late to the game. You should just not even try. And I've been there. I know there are tons of entrepreneurs who have been there. That voice, that that thought that comes is either coming, it's coming from one of two places. And those two places are either fear or intuition. Okay, so if it's coming from fear, then you just have to ask yourself, is it fear trying to keep you from starting? Is it fear trying to discourage you from pursuing your dreams and something that you really want to do? Or Is it intuition telling you that, you know, maybe this isn't a good fit for me right now? Unfortunately, this is something that we can only answer for ourselves. Everybody has to dig in. I can tell you that there have been many times where I've questioned whether or not to continue with Zen courses. There have been many people who kind of said, "Eh, I don't know if you should do that. Maybe, you, you know, you're really good at this. I do consulting. So people say, why don't you just focus on consulting? But I just had this drive to keep going with Zen courses. It's just it's just something that I had to spend a lot of time thinking about and finding that true voice and figuring out whether which direction to take. So I would encourage you to just really sit with that question and 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 ask yourself where it's coming from and what it's trying to do. You'll get a gut feeling when you ask yourself that. You know, you'll immediately have some type of physical feeling or reaction. And I think if you follow that, it'll lead you to your answer. The third thing I would say with regard to this is just to be clear, there are a lot of online courses out there. 
online courses are a lot of work. It's not a quick, short-term, overnight success type of thing. You know, if you've listened to the podcast, you know from the interviews that many of the people who have had success with online courses, it's something that they've just kept going with and they've learned from their mistakes, quote unquote, and gotten better. It's a long game. But here's the important part. If you feel passionate about a particular subject and you want to teach it, then at the end of the day, you've got to teach it. Do you see where where I'm going with that? So it's not about the course. It's about whether or not you feel passionate enough about what you want to share and get out to the world and how you're going to do that. So maybe an online course isn't the way to do it. Maybe you want to teach in a different way, but don't let haters or your inner critic keep you from teaching and sharing if that's what you really want to do. Okay, so I hope that helps Michelle and anyone else who's struggling with that. I've certainly been there, so I definitely understand. If you're listening to this and you have a question, sign up for my mailing list. Every week I ask for questions for the podcast. You can submit yours and hey, you never know. I might read it and answer it on the next episode. All right, it is time to wrap things up. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to become part of the course crew, you can join my newsletter at zencourses.co slash newsletter. Again, that's zencourses.co slash newsletter. And you can get signed up for my updates and emails, as well as bonuses that I send out to my list first and sometimes only to my list. And that's all the plugs I got for you. So I am Janelle Allen, and this has been the Zen Courses Show. Thank you so, so much for listening.